Pester power is a wonderful phrase I ran across in an article on an Australian parenting website. The article talks about the persistent and sometimes very clever ways children can pester their parents to get the things they want. As I read through the sections on why children pester and how to deal with that behavior effectively, I couldn't help but be reminded of my dogs. Author and dog trainer Gene Donaldson once said, Dogs do what works in pursuit of the things they want. Is it any wonder that they use their cuteness and persistence sometimes to pester us for the things they want? All too often, they learn that pestering is a very good strategy. We give in, and it works. And whose fault is that? This is Canine Nation. This is episode 89, and it's December 15th, 2013. In addition to these podcasts, Canine Nation appears at Life is a Human, the online magazine. You can find an archive of all the Canine Nation articles at caninenation.lifeasahuman.com. Canine Nation also has its own website at caninenation.ca, and here you can find an archive and links to all of our podcasts and all of the articles at Life is a Human. Hi, and welcome to the Canine Nation podcast. This is Eric Brad. The holidays are fast approaching, and we are getting ready for lots of visits from family and friends. There will be a fair amount of rushing off to parties and gatherings for us as well, and we always like to make sure that we keep our routines with our dogs at this time of year so that they don't stress out any more than usual. We do things like leave music or televisions on and make sure we keep our feedings at the same regular time, just so our dogs don't worry that things are changing. When we have people over, we frequently put our dogs in another room for a rest with a nice chew bone, just so they don't have to cope with that many new strangers in the house, or even people they know. And I'm sure they look forward to the quiet hours while we're off visiting someone else. So remember, as the holidays are approaching, to be extra kind to your dog during this very busy time of year. I wanted to let you know that I'm working on the layout of the manuscript for the first print edition of my Canine Nation Chronicles. The first volume will include the first three ebooks, and I'm hoping to have it available for purchase in the spring of 2014. The good folks at Dogwise have agreed to consider publishing it, so I'll be submitting a manuscript to them in January for their approval. Fingers crossed, and I'll update you more on that when I hear something in the new year. Having living, breathing beings living in my home means that I have a responsibility for their care and well-being. That means looking after their physical, mental, and emotional needs. That can be a tricky proposition in some regards. You see, my idea of what they need and their ideas of what they need may be different. My dogs are an important part of my life, but they're only part of it. There are times that my dogs will need my attention and times that they will want my attention. So I have to decide when it is and isn't appropriate to pay attention to them. Dogs are very clever at trying to get our attention, and that could quickly turn into a problem if we're not careful. Knowing how to handle demanding behaviors can mean the difference between being annoyed with my dogs and being amused by them. There are good ways to cope with the adorable nagging of my furry friends, 
but I have to always be mindful and careful so I don't create more problems than I solve. This is my article, Dealing with Demanding Dogs. It is summertime, and Rizzo's nose is cold. How do I know that? Because he keeps sticking that cold nose under my bare arm as I try to write in my summer t-shirt and shorts. I smile and keep my focus on my writing, but soon the cold nose begins insistently poking, flipping my arm upwards with increasing urgency. And this is a moment of choice. How should I respond to my canine pest? Depending on how you look at it, this is either an easy choice or a difficult one. Looking at it from an emotional perspective, it's an easy choice. Quit bugging me would be an almost instinctive response. It might surprise my dog and give him some indication that I'm not happy with his behavior. But it is also a difficult choice because as satisfying and potentially effective as my emotional response might be, it could be ambiguous to my dog and not as easy to understand as I would like it to be. You see, my dog wasn't just pestering me because he likes to upset me. My dog wanted something from me. It could even be something as simple as my attention. The moment that I turn to tell him, quit bugging me, I have given him what he was looking for. I turned my attention to him. I intended for my outburst to be something that my dog would find undesirable, but that decision is not up to me. My dog might find my outburst more interesting than whatever was happening before he poked me, not as unpleasant as I thought he would find it. Frequently, we humans get caught up in the intentionality of our own actions. By yelling sternly at my dog, I have intended to punish him for interrupting me. But operant conditioning defines punishment very differently. According to that branch of behavioral psychology, something is only punishing if the behavior that preceded it becomes less frequent or less likely. So, in order to know that yelling at my dog was actually a punishment, I will have to wait and see if he comes over to poke me again. And this is where I can tell you from experience that not everything we intend as a punishment actually does its job. Our dog Vince, who passed away some years ago, was a great one for teaching us about that lesson. As a puppy, whenever Vince was bored, he would come into our home office and sit behind one of our chairs as we worked, and then he would let out a piercing, high-pitched yip. It was almost impossible not to turn around and yell at him. I would literally jump out of my chair and yell at Vince, who would shrink away. My reaction was always to pet him after that and tell him I was sorry for yelling at him. I'm sure that inside he was smiling, pleased that his cunning plan to get my attention and affection had worked. I know now that my yelling was not a punishment because Vince pulled that trick on me dozens, if not hundreds, of times. My response to Vince's noisy interruptions was always immediate and loud. I was angry and startled. It was a short-term solution to his interruptions, but it turned into a long-term problem. You see, Vince quickly learned that his strategy worked. He had figured out a reliable way to demand and get attention. And we were in for many more years of his clever demand strategies. Vince was very creative. Once his voice deepened and we learned to ignore his bark, he moved on to nose pokes, pawing at us, trying to climb into our lap, pacing in front of the TV, 
and a host of other attention-getting activities. As the years passed and our understanding of dogs and behavior grew, we caught on to his tactics more quickly, and they weren't as effective. Unfortunately, Vince had a very good memory. He knew that his demanding behaviors could work, and he never tired of trying new things out just to see what we might do in response. In retrospect, many of our responses to Vince's behaviors actually served to reinforce, that is, to make more likely or more frequent, those attention-seeking behaviors. That very human response to just say, stop it, in one way or another, was an easy and almost unthinking response to being annoyed by our dogs. We often thought that it had done the job, but Vince always came back for more. Our solutions often made his demands for attention more persistent and more frequent. Over the time he lived with us, we created one of the most persistent and creative canine pests I have ever known. Of course, the problem with how to respond to our dogs starts very early in our relationship with them. Our dogs do need to communicate important things to us. They let us know when strangers are approaching. They let us know when they need to be let out. They let us know that they are not feeling well. We have an obligation to pay attention to our dogs' basic needs. But whether we get them as puppies or take them in as older dogs, we need time to get to know them and learn to read their signals. Some owners actually work with their pets to teach them how to signal their needs. For example, we hang bells on our back door so that our dogs can be taught to ring them if they need to go out. Unfortunately, many times our dogs are smarter than we give them credit for, and they will try to expand their signaling repertoire to get attention when they want it, in addition to when they need it. We call these demand behaviors. It can be difficult as a dog owner to know the difference between dogs needing to go out to relieve themselves and just wanting to go outside for a play. Attending to the details of your daily life and routine with your dogs can help tremendously. Many times, knowing when my dogs have eaten or when they were out last can help me distinguish between my dogs needing to relieve a biological need or just a desire for something to do. We are fortunate that dogs are creatures of habit. Deviations in usual behavior patterns can also be a signal for a real need and not just a demand for our attention. And sometimes we have to establish routines for things to make sure that we can teach our dogs when it is and is not acceptable to ask for things. Like so much in dog training, being proactive rather than reactive can make all the difference. With our Vince, we simply reacted to his annoying behaviors, and I suppose you could say that he trained us very well. Vince taught us some important lessons. All of the dogs we have raised since Vince have been much less successful with their demand behaviors. We have been very careful to provide for our dogs' basic needs, and we have become much more observant of them. We have also been much more proactive with our dogs to train them into regular routines and new signals that are clear and unambiguous. We believe that our dogs need to communicate with us. More than that, our dogs really should be able to ask for the things they want and not just the things they need. The balance of when our dogs get what they want and when we get what we want is entirely up to us. We don't leave that to chance anymore, as we did with Vince. I think this is how so many dog owners get to the point where they feel 
out of control in their household with their dogs. A chain of annoying demand behaviors and unthinking reactions creates an environment where there seems to be no clear way to communicate. It's no wonder that some dogs will try anything and everything to try to get what they want. If we don't establish some way for our dogs to offer us a behavior in order to get what they are asking for, we're just setting up a situation where anything and everything is worth a try. If our reactions to our dogs' attempts to communicate aren't clear or productive, their frustration may lead them to escalate an undesirable behavior. This, in turn, causes us to react more harshly and an atmosphere of conflict and confrontation can develop. Getting out ahead of that cycle and showing the dog that they can get what they want if only they offer us what we want can solve problems even before they start. In the end, it's about getting things the way we want them. We just want our dogs to behave in a way that we can live with. Our dogs just want the things that they want. All we need to do is show them a good way to do that by offering us something that we don't find annoying. Every home will be different, and each household's rules will be different. Think of it like a negotiation, a code of conduct, if you will. You do for me, and I do for you. And isn't that better than trying to outwit each other in a game of who can fool who? Until next time, have fun with your dogs. Don't forget you can pick up any of my ebooks from dogwise.com, a great resource for anything you're looking for with regard to dogs, DVDs, books, toys, and more. Also check out our Canine Nation Facebook page and our Canine Nation Forum Facebook group. We also have a Canine Nation Google Plus community where you can also add your discussions if you prefer that. And finally, we have a Twitter account that you can communicate with us on. It's canine underscore nation. If you have a question or comment for us, please feel free to contact the Canine Nation podcast at barks at caninenation.ca. We look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, take care of the dogs. Bye for now.